Welcome to the horological smorgasbord that is the Spending Time channel. We don't know what's on today's show. It could be an interview with a brand, an in-depth review of a watch, the introduction of a new podcast in the A Blog to Watch universe, or something entirely unexpected. But like the horological genius Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So without further ado, let's open the lid on today's show. Enjoy! We welcome to the show for what we hope will be the first of many chats with Karel from Barrowhand. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad at all. Now, the reason we've got you on is we're going to kind of follow the story as your new watch develops. So hopefully that will be of interest to the listeners just to see what happens in the background and perhaps we'll get a little bit of insight into the stresses and strains of actually producing a wristwatch from start to finish. So first of all, just give everyone who maybe doesn't know who you are a quick summary of Barrel Hand, where you're up to and then what's next. So I started Barrel Hand about seven years ago and it was really kind of a, a curiosity that we started with Project One. It was basically a research platform, you could say. So at the time, I was really interested in a lot of 3D printing and additive manufacturing technologies. So the idea was, well, watchmaking is a really good platform for innovation because everything's so small, it's super precise. Um, so technically speaking, it's a really good uh, test bed for these new technologies. So Project One, you could say, was the research platform, just kind of uh, putting together a supply chain, testing out these new type of manufacturing uh, systems, and just seeing if we could push the limits of print resolution, the types of materials we were printing, and just make a more mechanical sculpture type watch. So more on the artistic side and also as a research project. And then from there, we now we're kind of going into the next phase of Barrel Hand, which is taking all the learnings from project one as kind of like this concept piece and putting it into a real world application for the next project. Excellent. And as you mentioned, 3D printing is key for project one. And I assume is key for what I imagine is the imaginatively named project two. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the next project is called <laughs> Monolith. Um, and the idea behind Monolith, um, obviously there's the 2001 Space Odyssey reference, but yeah. I think more abstractly, 3D printing allows you to print things monolithically. And that has huge implications to simplify uh, assemblies, um, but also you can make really complex geometries that you couldn't do with traditional manufacturing. So. Uh, to be able to monolithically print something makes it a lot more reliable and robust. And that's extremely necessary for the next application that we're going into. Moving from Project One to Monolith, it's taken a few years. What changes have you even seen in the last couple of years in the accuracy and ability of 3D printing? Yeah, it's interesting. I think just in general, the selection of materials and the print resolution has just been blown out of the water. It used to be mm -hmm. I was printing plastic at 0.3 millimeter resolution, and that was like state of the art 10 years ago. And now uh, for Monolith, we're printing uh, titanium and other uh, types of alloys down to 
0.02 millimeters, which is like 20 microns, or the, if you were to slice a hair four times like filleted, that would be the, the thickness that we're printing at. So it's amazing to see how far it's advanced how and in the short amount of time that we've been given. So it's cool to have a pulse on the industry and see where it's all going. And in tandem to that, I've also been seeing the proliferation of the technology into a wide variety of industries. So at first it was kind of this maker hobbyist kind of thing. It was just for prototyping. And now you're seeing uh, the aerospace industry. Uh, SpaceX is a great example where they're integrating 3D printed parts straight into their rockets because it's more efficient. It's more cost effective. You can do crazy geometries and assemblies that you couldn't do with traditional manufacturing. And you've already hinted at the 2001 Space Odyssey, but space is a big theme for Monolith. Yeah. So why space? Yeah, yeah. So I think space in general has been a core of Barrel Hand, but at first it was kind of from a design perspective being influenced by a lot of uh, sci-fi, but now uh, for this next chapter, we wanted to have a real world application for the next project and space is this new final frontier and there's so many harsh conditions in space that I feel it's it's such a perfect fit for watchmaking and it's interesting because if you go back 30 40 years uh, watchmaking used to be all about innovation it was all about making the ultimate tool watch you could say and it had to be able to uh, hike to the top of Mount Everest. The watch had to be able to do deep sea diving or uh, even going to the surface of the moon is a good example. And and so for for decades, the the status quo in the watch industry was, you know, making these, these tool watches with very functional applications. And then when the quartz crisis hit, you have this kind of loss for this necessity of innovation and it became largely focused on luxury and you still see that today so for us we kind of saw it as an opportunity where we said you know space is extremely harsh you're looking at temperatures from minus 120 celsius to plus 120 celsius you have the vacuum of space you have uv radiation um, all these eva and iva certifications for the space station itself so really really tough like regimented conditions and we felt that Project One was a really good learning platform for us to take all that technology and apply it into a real-world application to make a watch that could withstand uh, the next chapter of EVA certifications and moon explorations. Excellent. Now, for those that wish to check out the barrelhand.com website, you will see the chat on the monolith is at the T-10 stage. And... No prizes for estimating that it will count down presumably <laughs> to zero when the watch is actually launched. But at T minus 10 stage, you've been looking at the 3D printed chassis. We already have an image of what the new watch is going to look like in terms of the case. What can you tell us specifically about what we're seeing on the website? This looks like a, 
a titanium case, as you say, 3D printed. It's got that kind of hollowed out lugs to make it super lightweight. What else should we be picking up from the hints that you're giving at the T-10 stage? Yeah, I, I think the two big things for the chassis, um, one, when you're looking at space exploration, uh, the big number that people look at is cost per kilogram to orbit. Um, so mm -hmm. how much does it cost to send something up to space, basically? And that's largely determined by its weight. So when you're looking at it, I guess 30 years ago, you would look at a payload and it would be around $60,000 per kilogram to send to space. Now we're looking at around like 10,000 per kilogram. So every gram you can shave off the watch, the lighter it is, the more cost effective, uh, cost effective it is to send up to space. So that's a huge part of why 3D printing comes into play is we can make this case ultralight, we can hollow it out in ways you couldn't with CNC machining. And then the other added bonus is by hollowing out the case, you also create these kind of air pockets inside and that serves as a really good insulator for the movement itself. So right. as much as we're designing, you know, something that is built for these conditions, any opportunity where we can further insulate and protect the internal mechanisms, it's going to have a huge advantage in the long run. Excellent. So once we move on from T minus 10, what can we look forward to? Give us a hint as to what's coming in T minus nine. Yeah, I can give you guys a little uh, like insight on the next one we're doing is going to be the crystal, the glass. And I, I think that one's really interesting because, I mean, if you look at any watch forum for the last 20 years, uh, there's the age old debate of, you know, Hesalite versus Sapphire. Uh -huh. And, and yeah. so I think... Uh, that was a really fun exploration for us of, you know, why go with one decision over the other. Um, also looking at different other, like different types of materials that are out there that are pretty novel and maybe people haven't heard of as optical windows. So it's not going to be a stained glass then? <laughs> yeah, ideally not. <laughs> <laughs> You've been stealing stuff from local churches somewhere to put lead work yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> In your watch case. No, well, we look forward to the revelation of whether you have gone Hesalite, Crystal, or indeed something that's a, a bit novel or maybe a bit of a mix and match. We wait to see. So when can we expect that revelation? Uh, we're drafting it up as we speak. So we're looking at launching Excellent. that article uh, early next month. And we're going to kind of launch each feature uh, on a monthly basis, more or less. Perfect. Well, we look forward to checking in with you again in a month or so's time to find out the process behind that decision making. Uh, what else have you got to look forward to? What What else is keeping you busy away from watches this month? Anything? I mean, it's still somewhat related, but uh, there's been a lot of cool space launches recently. So yesterday there was the uh, Japanese uh, launch company iSpace that was trying to do their first private company lunar lander mission. So there's a lot of exciting things happening in the space industry that we're we're keeping a pulse on and it's I, I think the more you learn about it the more you realize how quickly the the industry is progressing and how fast yeah. we're actually going to space excellent well thank you for joining us and uh, we'll speak to you again soon thanks so much rick
Welcome to Watchlist, the show where we can create as many lists as we like in the confident knowledge that Ariel will never listen because we all know how much he hates lists. I'm Christy. And I'm Jack. And we felt that Ariel had left a gap in the market because of his aversion to lists. And whilst we may not be able to tell you the ins and outs of a Nublo Classic Fusion Chronograph Italia Independent Prince du Gal King Gold Limited Edition, we certainly have opinions about it. Side note, you won't go unnoticed wearing that watch. This week we're discussing our top five watches we love but would not wear. Each of us will bring three suggestions for the list and at the end of the show we'll pick our top five and ditch one. The one we ditch we will somehow send to Ariel where he can enjoy it in a listless land. So I'm going to start the list. My very first watch that I love but you would not catch me wearing. Surprise, surprise, it's an Urwerk. I'm not shocked. No. I have a love-hate relationship with this brand. Although, to be honest, I love it. I was going to say, there's no hate. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, there's no hate. I, I just love the brand. So, the specific watch. To be honest, I could have brought any of them, because I, I don't think I have to wear them. But I'm going to talk about the UR202. Wow. Which is also known as the Hammerhead, because apparently it looks like one. Because of the shape. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm seeing mm-hmm. that. So, it has Urwerk's satellite complication, like the revolving satellite thing. Which weirdly gets me so excited. I do find that odd, what a reaction it gets from you. I don't know. Like, it's just something going around in circles. <laughs> but to be honest, I love Formula One, and that's just <laughs> some things around going around in circles. <laughs> I maybe just have this thing. Yep, okay. So this is, it's doing it for me. I just, I don't even have words at this point. I just think it's really clever, like the carousel and the rotating the rotating hour satellites. Yeah. That's what they're they're called. And then they'll rotate round and go through the minutes. Yeah. And I, I just think that that's really clever. I know that like some other brands are kinda doing it now, like Gorilla and stuff, but I think our work do it best. In my humble opinion. Not very humble. Just my opinion. It's just kind of mind-blowing. And I know this is the case for all our works, and this is the thing that I realize increasingly that instead of dismissing it, I need to understand it. And then once you start to understand it, that's the place where the joy comes in. That's where your life begins. Yes. And I do I, I do acknowledge that. I'm not sure I'm super able to tell the time at this point. <laughs> so I have I said that I quite like to play this game? I get a random watch and I try and work out what time it is. Are you being serious? Ah, uh-huh, because there are some watches where it is very difficult. Yeah, I know, but at this point, isn't there an episode in this somewhere of you have to play a game in order to work out whether or not you can tell the the time on random watches? Isn't this like the very definition, that this goes back to your Holdeman reduction situation, but isn't this the oh, very gosh. definition of a watch <laughs> being able to actually know what time it is? Otherwise, just look at your flipping phone. No? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just like a fun little game I play with myself when I look at a crazy watch and I'm like, what actually is the time? So I'm going to guess then. I'll play your game. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is this 8.17? 17? 17 minutes past 8? Sure. I wasn't going to be that accurate. I was just going to say quarter past, but yes. Oh no, come on. There's, there's, there's reasons that they have little markers there. You need to know accurately. It's 17. Wow. That I bit I'm confident in. Yeah, it's 17. My eyesight is not great from far away. Okay, That's you're looking at your phone. I zoomed in on my laptop. Oh, oh, I'm zooming in. It's 17. Correct. Well done. Okay, wow. thank you. So I can tell the time in a work. Yay me. And... Mm-hmm. What's very cool, so you see the the minute hands, like, so those are, like, the things that are coming out of the 
our satellites. Very technical. <laughs> so that's the thing that's pointing at the 17th. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. They're telescopic. As in the... <gasps> because they have to they be different lengths. Aha, uh-huh. I know. You're kidding. Isn't that so clever? How does it know when to do, do that? that? Well, obviously it's programmed. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's told got it. the... Programmed? I'm just going to see it. It has the movement. <laughs> it's got the movement. I just... I, I, it's smart. It's cool. I like it. It's also got a moon phase indicator. And when do you not need to know what phase the moon is in? And also a day and night indicator on the other side. Which are just on rotating discs. So obviously each of the our so there's three of those kind of telescopic hands, right? Mm-hmm. And each of them will have like four numbers on four. them. So like one, four, seven, and ten. yeah. So presumably, and so they that would be quite impressive to watch it actually go in full rotation. I now feel sad I, and feel I like would... I want to see it. Well, I want to see it like really sped up. Yes, that's what you I do want. get some Urwerk satellite complications which have four with three on them so that's going even faster uh-huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna need to think about that this should have been youtube at this point because our faces oh, were a picture understand. it'll just have to have a shorter line for the minutes yes. is that correct i think so yeah i don't right. know you see we're probably garnering all sorts of opinions now and the fact that i don't have social media i'm becoming very glad about because people might want to tell us how you know not smart we are at this point so good yeah. Well, come at us in Discord. Yeah. Come at us in our Discord chat. Tell That's me, where I can take Christy, that her work, I'm not you done are yet. too I'm old. Not done okay, yet. you've got more to tell me. Sorry. Keep <laughs> yeah. going. It's all good. Also, this watch uses, it's like automatic winding using compressed air. Right. Just casually. Okay. So on the back, uh-huh. it has twin turbines. Right. Which apparently, I don't understand how it works. Apparently, like, forces air into tiny little holes that make the movement happen. I'm so happy for them. Yeah. And you can control it by, like, a selector switch, so you can actually put your watch into sport mode. Is that what you do with your car? Oh, yeah. Right. Hit the country roads, boom, sport mode. Okay. That's just a fun wee thing. Yeah, a nice little throwaway. I'm impressed. So, can you tell me, then, given your love for this piece of mechanical geniusness mm-hmm. why wouldn't you wear it? Look at it. <laughs> We were looking at it and looking how clever it was. It's just not quite you. I don't like the shape. I don't like the materials. It's like a steel titanium situation, maybe. Yeah, sure. I don't like the green, almost neon feel. I think we need to, somehow, good people of our work, they need to send you one. You need to actually try one on because... I don't really want to. I'm, I'm quite happy just looking at it and knowing that... It's amazing. It's it's cool. Okay. I think, to be honest, I think... it. Like, in general, it looks too gadgety right. for me. It doesn't look like, oh, here's a lovely watch and I have such a put-together life and, <laughs> you know, I'm just, like, chilling on my yacht. Right. It's like a... Mm-hmm. I don't even know who would wear this and in what situation. Yeah. It feels like a spy watch and I feel like if you're having to wear a spy watch, then people know you're a spy, so you're not a spy. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, kind of, but a lot of this conversation has not made a great deal of sense to me, so that's a whole other no. conversation. Well, I appreciate it. I, I have to say, I think I might be coming along with you on this journey to all things or work and the wonder it's so that there is. And I have a great deal of respect for them. Thanks. Also, additionally, I don't like the crown at the top and I don't like how the crown is so huge. I don't think the crown would suit anywhere. Yeah. Because it, it wouldn't really feel right to be anywhere else but there. 
But this is where I feel like it would be useful to actually handle one and see because it's hard when you're looking at the internet, at the internet, the whole internet. It's hard when you're looking at a picture to really understand how that would feel and how it would be actually on your wrist. So there you go. Yeah. The UR202. That's a watch. Great, but I wouldn't wear it. So my first watch is probably a little left field, not quite in the same way as Underwork is, but certainly not a watch that I ever thought that I would suggest in a category of loving it. However, I do love it because I think it's beautiful. This is the Glashuta Original Panamatic Counter XL. It's 44 wow. mil. It's quite chunky. It has a stainless steel case and a black dial with four subdials, two larger, two smaller, that are near the top. It has the date at the three o'clock position, and at the nine o'clock position, it has a counter. Now, I was first attracted to this because I, I loved the red in the counter against the black, and then the white numbers, and just, I kind of felt like it had an impact. And I was looking at it thinking, that is absolutely gorgeous. So I spent some time trying to understand as you say let's take a moment and work out how to tell the time so the bottom <laughs> subdial is giving you the hours and the minutes and then the top subdial so top left subdial is giving you the running seconds and then the chronograph dials are the small one top right and and then the central one at the top and wow. i think it's gorgeous i really appreciate the symmetry of it i just think it, it has impact. And I just instantly saw it and kind of like, I love that. I love the dial. I just absolutely love it. Until such times as I thought about the counter at position number nine. <laughs> uh -huh. So at this point, you may well ask, why would I not wear it? Well, yeah, it turns out... <laughs> This really beautiful watch has this counter on it, right? It being yeah. the Panamatic counter, okay? So it literally has a button to count up numbers and to count down from zero to 99. What are you counting? Exactly. Oh, it's actually just a counter. Yes. And I'm just troubled because on one are hand... Are you counting sheep? <laughs> well, exactly. Is that a farmer's watch? <laughs> I was literally like, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. This is wondrous. This looks so amazing. Hold on. I can count things. Like, am I going to count sheep, as you suggested? Am I going to count the number of cans of chickpeas in my cupboard using my watch? <laughs> am, I, am I... Up to 99 <laughs> cans of chickpeas? Well, yeah, never know. The thing is... Is this in the COVID years? <laughs> this is the COVID years when you stockpiled. I never did that, honestly. It is this sort of sense of, hold on, this is a completely pointless piece of technology on this watch. This is a pointless part to it. This ah. feels really dumb that this really beautiful thing is now like really stupid to me. And also what's concerning me the most is initially I was like, what's the point? What mm -hmm. is the point? What am I counting? What job do they think I'm in? If somebody's in a job of massively counting things and stock checking, I'm not being funny, but it's unlikely that they're going to be people wearing a Glashuta original. I mean, this is like not... Also, you're going to need a calculator, not something that just adds things by one each time. Well, you know you get those counter things that people, if they're checking to see how many people are in a line or something, and that the you know staff are trying to make sure that they can do crowd okay, control, yeah, and they yeah. have counters like that. So like count having a counter is not something without merit. It's just that I feel like this is being 
being worn by somebody who has a job that involves sitting at a desk not counting things one by one and it's not something clever like when you actually like add something to it does it tell you the time that you added it to because that would be smart i mean at this point i'm thinking an apple watch would do that but mm. not so much the panomatic counter xl but the thing is having gone from what's the point in this i got even more concerned about it because not only is there no point the flip side to that is if you have a slightly ocd mildly kind of controlling tendencies behavior i can see myself becoming the person who starts to get really neurotic about things so i'm like ah, count 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 and then actually you turn into the loser that's going guess how many yellow cars i saw today or <laughs> it's, it's so so either way i'm either i have a, either have a part of a watch that i'm never going to use because it's quite daft or i have a part of a watch that i use and everybody just thinks i'm really really tragic so again i might be wrong i might be totally missing the point it's just a really really gorgeous watch with a slightly pointless function that I can't get on board with. I do feel like for the majority of people it would be pointless. I think there would be, like as you say, there are some specific jobs where like you're gonna need a counter. I can see this being useful for like, I mean my head's gone to cars, like racing for a lapse. Like mm -hmm. if you're just like casually, okay, you know, you're not like competing in the big leagues, but yeah, you know, that kind of thing is useful. I'm sure other people have ideas of, <laughs> it's the kind of thing if people think chronographs are useless and actually for some people they actually they're handy but yeah I, I feel that but it does look nice yeah and i just felt sad because what's worse about it is actually the red text is what in, the red numbers is what originally attracted me to it because i just think if that if they were white i don't think it would have been quite so stand out but i saw that and i was like gosh it's just really drawing my eye it's really really and then i was what like the red text is is actually the whole problem yes so a bit weird still love it though but yeah Wow. There you go. That's really nice. Thanks for sharing that with me. <laughs> Glad that you feel enlightened. Okay, my next one is a Zenith. It's the Zenith Pilot Automatic Watch. Ooh. Now, I love a Zenith. Yeah. I think they're really nice. I think, like, they're fairly simple to look at, but they're just very classy. They look clean and sleek. I love that they have, like, on their website... They have a picture of a woman wearing it, which I always appreciate. Oh, because I'm here for that. I have a woman's wrist, surprisingly. Yeah. And so I like seeing what it would look like on a woman's wrist. And so I can see that and imagine it. And I think it looks really good. It's 40 mil, so it's like a decent size because I know my wrists were small. Yes. And so I have to come to terms so I can't just, you know, put something that's 45 mil on my wrist and it'd be fine. Yeah. I like how you said come to terms with the fact. It's like this great <laughs> life trauma. <laughs> it has been. There's so much. I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. And then I'm like, I don't think I could pull that off. You get wrist surgery so you can wear bigger watches. Wow. I wonder if anyone's actually done that. <laughs> there must be. No. Surely not. But how does that work out? How do you graduate that into the rest of your arm? This is like a strange conversation. <laughs> I think they just wear smaller watches. I think that's the answer. Yeah. I don't think we should start doing surgeries like that. No. Basically, I don't have much to say about this other than I like it. Yeah. It's simple and straightforward. Yes. And I'm like, I'm aware that loads of people love a Zenith. Mm -hmm. 
and they're not very problematic they're not hugely controversial yeah and so like when i was thinking about like watches that i would love but wouldn't wear it's such a weird concept because normally you look at a watch and go i love that Mm -hmm. stick it on my wrist Mm -hmm. or i hate that that's disgusting i never want to see that yeah and so this like you've got this weird in between of like how can you love something but not want to wear it yeah and so i was literally just like going through watches looking at them going do i like that and then sometimes it'd be a no and then sometimes it'd be a yes but i absolutely would wear it and then for this i was surprised that i was actually finding myself thinking i don't think i would wear this i really don't think i would wear this i mean i really like the black ceramic case i think that that's nice and i like the numbers on the dial i think they're nice but even then i can appreciate those numbers but i don't think they're very you i can't really say why but it doesn't feel like the style of christy I just thought it was interesting because I would love to see this on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And normally I don't think that. If I like something, I would want to wear it. This is one of the things where I'm like, I, I would really appreciate it on somebody else's wrist, but not my own. Yeah. I think my wrist would ruin it. No offense to my own wrists. That's a really interesting point, though, that actually you can enjoy watches on other people. I mean, and in some ways, this is almost what this category is for all that we're being sort of funny about it. In some ways, this is what this category is, watches we can enjoy, but not necessarily want to wear ourselves. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like a random find that I was actually surprised at my reaction to it and realizing that I I wouldn't wear it. So there you go. That was that was it, to be honest. Nice little Zenith. I like that. There you go. Yeah. My second offering is just going to freak you out. Oh dear. I'm sort of sorry in advance. Sorry, not sorry. I'm kind of having to go with it. And it'll all become clear in time. I'm sort of almost embarrassed to go down this line, but it's okay. Stay strong. I can do this. So this is the Rolex Oyster Perpetual Date Just 41mm. (laughs) Oh, Jack. And it is with the oyster steel and ever rose gold bracelet. It also, I, I have done the, you can do the whole configuration thing. So I have done, configured my own with a sun dust dial and the jubilee jubilee bracelet with the fluted bezel jubilee jubilee bracelet the jubilee bracelet and the fluted bezel gosh this is nice looking into a tongue twister i can't even speak it's because i'm talking about rolex and i'm having an internal meltdown it's just like i'm feeling so compromised as a person i no longer no longer have the ability to speak eloquently or just at all. So, I mean, you probably, I don't need to go into reasons why I wouldn't wear it. Here's the thing. I was at Watches and Wonders. I was fortunate to be at Watches and Wonders and I decided to be a big brave girl and really look at some Rolex watches. And I really like the fluted bezel. I, I love the dial on this. I, there's so much that I enjoy about it. But fundamentally, <laughs> it's a Rolex, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why I love it, but I just couldn't wear it. I don't think I could ever wear a, a watch from a brand that sells other watches that are called the Lady Date Just. I mean, <laughs> if you actually have a watch called the Lady Date Just, it makes me feel so patronized. I feel oh, yeah. so like lady. I don't think anyone would ever call me and lady. Just exactly. Well, the date just is also relevant when it's the man's bond. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I know, but like, <laughs> but it's not the man. You know, like this is the thing. These these watches are, and increasingly, hopefully, this is the way that the watch industry is going. Watches are just unisex, and I think that's kind of the point. But I am so sort of traumatized by the way that they treat the men's watches, women's watches thing, and just like mm-hmm. a, a lady date just. Are you are you kidding me? I kind of and and there are many other things about Rolex that I I don't enjoy as a brand so 
it's why I couldn't wear one. I couldn't wear a Rolex. I couldn't do it to myself. I'd feel like I was betraying all the things that I think and feel. I mean, I've been told many times by people more educated than I why I'm wrong <laughs> about having these Rolex feelings. But I just don't really enjoy the current situation when you can only buy a Rolex if you have relationship with or previous history with the ADs or whether you, you know, know the right person at the right time or have enough money and just so much about it feels like it's the watches of exclusion as opposed to the come and enjoy our watches situation. I, I, I like that. Rolex. The watches of exclusion. <laughs> I really think they don't want that as their tagline. But there you go. So well, tough. I love this Rolex. It is a thing of beauty. I cannot deny. The fluted bezel for me is just what makes it. But darn it, it has that Rolex logo on it. So not for me. So interestingly, I almost picked the Rolex 1908. Are you kidding me? So nearly did. So nearly did. Then I was like, but I don't want to open that can of worms as to like how much I can't deal with Rolex. But then I opened it? Yeah. I'm sorry. Also, you went with the oyster thing and this whole like oyster pop thing with the kids watch brand that they were Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about going that. After. Copyright. Like I just I want to stand with the little guy. Mhm. And Rolex are just being the Rolexy. The baddies in this situation. Yeah. So that kind of put me off them. I just don't like their attitude. <laughs> Because <laughs> we know them personally. I'm sure there's lots of lovely people that work for Rolex. Yes, yes, I'm sure. But it's not our but jam. I just thought that's funny that, like, I so nearly picked a Rolex. But then I was like, can I actually just say that the only reason I wouldn't wear it is because... Well, it's the only reason it's I wouldn't. Rolex. It's truly the only reason. Also, actually, I am l- going to be on a list anytime soon, and I've probably just blacklisted myself from them. <laughs> but you know what? I don't care. No, I wasn't going to wear it anyway. You and me both, babe. You and me both. My final watch that I love but would not wear is a Christophe Claret watch. It's the Christophe Claret poker watch. Okay. And I think that maybe says it all. Are you planning on playing poker anytime soon? No. And to be honest, I've actually never played poker. Mm, Yeah, nor me. So this was a watch. I don't know if you remember this. We were actually, because we lead really exciting lives, we were sitting watching a compilation of watches. I think it was something like... (laughs) Can you give that a little bit more context? Because at this point, you and I sound like... (laughs) <laughs> really tragic. Listen, we're talking to watch and fans. We don't carry on. on. Podcast, yeah, okay, uh, carry on. <laughs> this is just adding to our, our levels of tragedy. Mm. But so we're watching a compilation. It, it was something like watches that you you're not going to believe exist, or like crazy watches. You know, stuff like that. So yeah. watches that aren't just like your your average thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there being like, "This is disgusting. Oh, that's gross. That is horrible." Like. Why would anyone ever make that? And I remember this watch, the poker watch, coming up and actually being impressed. I was like, oh, that that feels cool to me. Mm-hmm. In a way that the other watches, in all of their weirdness and all of the ways in which they are impressive, I was just like, straight up, no. And this, for some reason, caught my eye. So you can play Texas Hold'em poker on it. No. And basically, like, play it. Yes. Like, you could actually play it. So you can, like, play it with the pushers and it comes up with all the cards. It's made for three people, so you can see, like, if they've got, like, privacy blinds. Uh-huh. And so basically if you, like, sit it... I can see that in three the picture. people all around it. Uh-huh. So then you can only see your own hand. So it's made to actually play it. And so this is maths according to Ariel, which I'm hoping is according to actual maths. Okay. But I didn't do the maths to check. So in a normal, like, in a single deck, uh-huh. you can have 32,768 possible hand combinations yeah from a single deck 
So for this, for three people, that's 98,304 combinations. And so like this is that's what the watch is capable of doing. It has replicated that. It's not limited. It's the same. Uh-huh. You can... Isn't that mad? That is incredible. So I just, I love that. I, so I love that it's like, it's not like a, a, a fake gimmicky version. It's like, here's the real thing that like you could play this. I'm just imagining a family though sitting in the airport, their flight's delayed. <laughs> I'm sitting around a watch. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all sitting and it all kind of looks like they're attacking their you know parent's wrist whichever parent is wearing it because I don't want to suggest for one minute that it could be the father but regardless <laughs> of which parent it is yeah they look like they're all randomly like poking him from a distance but actually it's because they're pressing pushers to play poker on the watch I'm thinking uh, whilst it's impressive I'm thinking that that might be easier on your phone but yeah carry on <laughs> well that is true so this is part of like a three-piece collection, I suppose, where there's also like a blackjack watch. What? Oh, right. <laughs> a blackjack watch. <laughs> we really need to put our teeth in for tonight's episode. <laughs> so there's also a blackjack watch and mm-hmm. a baccarat watch. So what you're saying is it's a trilogy? Precisely. Yeah. Of uh, of gambling games. Are they all gambling? Well, I think it's only okay. gambling if money is involved, right? So unless you actually True. Start... And the family in the airport are unlikely to be gambling. I have to say, I would have totally dismissed this, but your story and personalization of it is really making me warm to it. Even to the extent that I had not understood that it's like privacy screens for the cards so that you can't see them. I didn't know what that was. Yeah, it's smart. Like they've thought it through. They've not like they've they've not like just come up with something random being like, oh no. here's some playing cards on a watch face. Yeah. It's the actual game. I was just gonna say, you know what else? It also tells the time. <laughs> Wow. Sorry, you were gonna say. I wonder something. if if it's like quarter past three or something. Uh huh. Will that really get in the way of your game? That's a really interesting point. It wouldn't be a quarter past three though. It would be well, it could be quarter past or like two. Like quarter past nine or. There's gonna be certain times you can't play. <laughs> but maybe that's a good yeah. thing. It's like sorry, yeah. everybody, no Texas Hold'em tonight. <laughs> also on the back. So the back is gorgeous. It's got a roulette wheel on the back, which I think is prettier. <sighs> I know. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. I'm very impressed. I really am. That's kind of wow. Also, when it can come in, like, black and gold, which is one of the options, I'm in. You're in. Okay. It's certainly going to be a conversation starter, having a watch like that. Absolutely. So I do really like it. Yeah, I... I, Listen. Ha! Fair play to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Wow. However... You're not going to I have a few reasons why I would not wear this watch. Tell me about them. One, I love the back more than the front. (laughs) And I do not feel that that's a good way to start. (laughs) (laughs) Never say that to a person, won't you know? Oh dear, I think we're overtired. <laughs> Two, I don't play poker. I think that is fairly apparent. <laughs> and three, oh my word, she's lost it. She's gone. I'm trying to keep it together. Keep going. <laughs> really? Is this you trying to keep it together? She's supposed to the most surreal conversation of my entire life. Keep <sighs> <clears throat> going. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Number three. Mm-hmm. Apparently, if you like, a, as a condensation thing, if you breathe on the on on the crystal, mm-hmm. it shows up something not very classy and tasteful. I mean, we're not talking Ulysses Nardan here. Like, it's not okay. off the charts. Mm-hmm. Horrific, but it's still not very nice. Oh, why do they need to do that then? Exactly. I don't appreciate that. I don't want that on my wrist. I have not seen it. 
Like, so I it could be absolutely fine, but I just don't agree with the concept. I don't I don't like that, and I don't appreciate that, and I don't want anything to do with that. So yeah, those are some reasons that I wouldn't wear yeah, it. That's really disappointing. Also, it is really disappointing after being like so good and so mm-hmm. clever, uh huh, and creative and artistic. I like I I do really value like the extent to which they've actually replicated the game and made it look beautiful mm-hmm. also on top of this i love some of the watches from the brand like the soprano watch love it all of the women's watches this is the loser's watch yes no this one is... knows what... <laughs> no so from another compilation yeah of watches that we were looking at we saw one of the watches with the flowers on it what was it called like madeline mabel i don't know what they're called it was the loves me loves me not situation yeah and that just puts me right off yeah at that point we had the conversation about what kind of watch is that if you get a field watch a dive watch a you know pilot's watch and everything else what kind of watch does that become a love watch or a loser's watch well you called it a loser's watch yeah okay so well christophe claret oh you said it nicer than i did how did you say it well i mean i didn't say christophe claret but (laughs) you know (laughs) christophe claret oh dear too funny we should not record it this time Okay, yeah, note to self. I'm gonna, like, take us on an alternative turn for my third watch. I am suggesting to be included in our list a watch by Tag Heuer, the Aqua Racer. It's a 27mm dial, which is very small. It has a quartz movement a steel bracelet the dial is mother of pearl white and it has diamonds on the bezel which are set in the steel now i have a little confession mm-hmm. i own this watch <laughs> my husband gave me this watch a number of years ago probably 14 years ago maybe was this a wedding present no no so this is after we were married yeah it was probably i mean i don't know what's tragic i don't really remember but it was after we'd probably been married for four four or five years and he bought me this watch neither of us knew the things that we know now about watches like it was a kind of first jump into buying sort of a nicer watch and certainly at the time there were lots of things i enjoyed about it and i wore it a lot but probably for the last nine years Certainly the last eight, it has been in a drawer. So this is actually wow. a watch that I love but do not wear. And the only reason I love it, and this is also, I mean, full disclaimer, this is not that I'm hiding this information from my husband, but <laughs> my, ta- my taste is so radically different now. And it is just so small. And we have had occasion, you know, if you're going to a nice function or something and you think, effectively, it's got a jewelry-like purpose in that it has all the diamonds on the bezel it's bracelety it's bracelety so i could wear it and it would be nice from that point of view however it just feels so small to me now i just i cannot do it so i so i have not worn it for all of that time i mean i also i don't think i could sell it because it feels significant in and of its own right and who knows you know small dials may come around again in style at some oh, point i hope they don't i mean i hope they don't too and also all the diamonds i just don't think i mean it's so far removed from the way that you know I, i'm not really a diamondy person you know unless you're going out to a big function or something and then yeah diamonds are lovely but i'm not a kind of diamonds day in day out kind of girl so there you go oh an actual watch that i do love but 
do not wear. I mean, you don't actually love the watch. You love the yes, yes, the value of the watch. The significance. I love the of sentimental the value. I love the story about yeah. the watch. I love that it sort of makes me think back and realize. I mean, I will have been married twenty years this year. So congrats, part of time. Yeah. It represents part of, you know, a story of life, but just wouldn't wear it. I kind of, it's one of those situations. I mean, if you think about it, we do this with clothes. You have clothes that you buy at one point and you're in love with them. And then a little while down the line, you think, what was I thinking? And you get rid of them. But this is sort of the interesting thing about watches is that they're a sort of massive financial commitment. You know, you're spending, well, you're not always. There's a variety of budgets for you know, watches generally. But this was a sort of expensive watch for me to have. This felt like something important and significant. It wasn't just, uh, uh, there wasn't no thought that had gone into it. And it's then when you look back and think, gosh, there's a purchase that I made that was thousands of pounds as opposed to hundreds of pounds. And it's, and I didn't quite get it right. And I have changed and all. And, and that must be the case for other people with their watches, right? It must be. Because we don't stay the same. We we change. We absolutely change. We change as we age, as we... I mean, you and I, in two years, have gone from liking about 1% of the watches we saw to struggling now to find watches. You know, we genuinely could both, if if money was no object, we could fill a drawer easily with 20 watches that we think are lovely. Uh And, and the concept of that would have been really difficult to conceive two or three years ago. So you do realize that taste is genuinely what comes along with education and so on. And I mean, that also applies to her work when you think about it, because yes. you have you would have totally dismissed them and thought it was ridiculous. And now you're properly engaged with the brand. You like the brand. You love the technology behind it. Just their ability to, to create. It's a masterpiece. It's just the creativity in it. It's incredible. Preach it. So, those are our six. Let's get to ditching. What would you ditch? Because I'm struggling to think of at this point. Morally, I want to ditch Rolex, but I feel like that's unfair. Well, so, you know, that's fair. That would, I, I, well, no, I, I think I could give you that. I think we're so <laughs> no, anti-Rolex. It would be between the Rolex and my Zenith. Because I feel like the Zenith is one that, like, I could maybe wear, but I just, I, I'm not sure I... Whereas we know that I'm neither of us would wear the Rolex on principle. Yes. Okay. No, let's ditch the Rolex. I'm Rolex is out. <laughs> okay, we I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> uh, just as well, we only have twelve listeners. That's fine. <laughs> That's more than like what we said a couple of weeks ago. I think we said, "Oh yeah, you were like listener." <laughs> so maybe we only had two. <laughs> okay, so bye bye Rolex. And then in fifth place, probably the Zenith. Then okay, what's number one? I think the least problematic. Mm-hmm. Actually, today I want to be sentimental. Okay, let's stick your tag, tag at number, at number one. one. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. that. Okay. Tags in at number one. I think that your Christophe Claret <laughs> should be number three. Thoughts? Pourquoi? It feels like a middle of the road kind of situation. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever called Christophe Claret middle of the road before. <laughs> Wow, what a dig. I thought I'd gone for them, but sure. Sorry, Christophe. Now I have guilt. What about my Glashuto original? Number four? Number two? That is really quite pretty. Number two? It hurts me to do this to Urwerk, but sure. Well, so why don't we have Urwerk in three and then Christophe in four? No, because Urwerk can't be top all the time. Okay. I need to get a grip. Okay, so I'm sending Ariel a Rolex. Happy days for him. <laughs> Wow. So in at number five, we have the Zenith Pilot Automatic. And in number four, 
but number one in my heart. Erwin, you are too, too. Love of my life. Your voice actually has gone properly sad there. I feel quite bad about it. <laughs> and in number three, the Christophe Claret Poker Watch. And in at number two, the Glashuta Panamatic Counter XL. Yeah. It's fourth for mil. Very extra large. Yeah. It's not fit on your wrist. Thanks. So in at number one, the Tag Heuer Aqua Racer. In a piece of pure sentimentality, this is our number one watch that we love but would not wear. It has is only 27 mil, which is distressing to our very core. It goes against everything we stand for. It goes against everything we stand for. It has diamonds on it, which honestly is also more than we can bear. However, it was bought with love. Love wins. And we're feeling mushy. Love wins. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so after all that, join us next time and we're going to compile a list of our top five watches that look like something other than a watch. That's going to be a fun I'm episode. I'm excited. Excited already. And on that note, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Well, we welcome to a show a man who I'm simply going to introduce as Oliver, and I'm going to let him deal with his surname because there is a sneaky extra U in it, which is not normally found in the versions of his surname that I would be familiar with in Scotland. <laughs> so, Oliver, first up, tell us how you pronounce your name. Rick, thank you very much for first, you know, having me on. Um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, so my name is actually pronounced Oliver Gallagher, although a lot of people say Gallagher. And, and that's really why, you know, the, the brand is mainly going to be known as O. OG as the initials, just just to make it easier for people, you know. Yes, absolutely. And OG's obviously got some other connotations to it as well. <laughs> yeah. Your brand is OG, and I thought it'd be worth speaking to you because we have seen quite a lot of this first watch online. Hmm. Seems to have proved incredibly popular. So I thought let's just speak to the man himself. But you have a bit more of a background to this than just this first watch with your own initials on it. Why don't you give us a bit of a potted history of how you got to where you are today? Because I'm looking yeah. at a guy on my video here who's like barely out of short trousers <laughs> and he's already producing himself a watch yeah, brand. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you, bro. Thank you very much for that. Um, it, has, it has not <laughs> been a, uh, a short journey. My interest in watches really came about probably about 10, 10 years ago now and... Really, I mean, when I was much younger, I was very, you know, just fascinated by design and creating things. That was my my, my passion. I wanted to to sketch, you know, every single day, come up with new ideas for things. And um, and later on, when I when I did discover watches, you know, they really seemed like the perfect medium to kind of express that uh, that kind of design that design through. So I, I'm not trained as a designer. I um, as I said, it's it's just mainly just a passion. That, that i have and and you know once you discover watches and mechanics and, and the movements it's you know it's hard it's a wormhole you can't get out of so really it was uh it, it was it was you know a slow process of of looking at watches and thinking how can i how could i create something how what could i do that would be slightly different or unique and i had several attempts at uh creating watches you know um that was my my goal from the start was to create a brand and you know along the way i've i've had i've had some failures i've had some projects that didn't uh, quite work out and uh, and now now's the time where you know hope, hopefully it will you know but uh yeah it, it's been it's been a long journey you know i i did and i and i still do work as an independent designer offering my services to to other people who are on the kind of the same journey as me and um I set up a website where people could reach out to me. I did try to 
to uh, to reach out to some bigger brands and see if I could potentially get an internship earlier on. But, you know, I wasn't really met with, you know, much, much interest. And it seemed a bit a bit closed off for me. So I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do this on my own. And, and, and that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing, you know, this time. So this is the first watch you're bringing to market. Mm. For those who haven't had the chance to see it yet on Instagram, first of all, where on Instagram can they find it? Because that's where most people sure. go. Sure, it's, uh, I mean, you can follow my, on my personal account, Designing Watches. Uh, I'm posting kind of progress photos or of the development, um, some some unique insights uh, of, of the watch and about the brand. But if you want to follow the brand's page, it's Oliver Gallagher at Oliver Gallagher. Don't forget, you know, don't that forget you. the you. You know that's that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it should pop up. If you type in O dot G, it it should uh, it should should yes. appear. Excellent. So for those who haven't had the chance to describe, mm. give context to the design of this watch, maybe yeah. in reference to watches that people would be familiar with. Yeah, you know. A, a big kind of, I suppose, inspiration of mine has been, you know, brands like Patek, and and I've, you know, admired them and, and looked at them as as a kind of a benchmark in terms of, you know, the, the quality and just the way they present themselves. And I, I wanted to create something that was, you know, unique and original, but also could be, I suppose, I, I would love it to be, you know, a timeless design, you know, something that that isn't too avant-garde, that that could be that could be looked at in a traditional watchmaking sense and that's kind of really where i where i focus this this first series which is you know it's 41 millimeters in steel it's got a you know a more traditional case design uh the movement is based on the based on unitas 6498 but it's so it's a manual one but it's you know it's far from the original movement you know it's been heavily heavily modified you know um it remilled the the main plate, custom bridges. You know the decorations are all um, the top finishing uh, done in in Glasuta. So you know I really tried to create something that was simple but refined and had a clear concept to it. I look at this and I get kind of strong Moser vibes. Okay, yeah. uh, uh, the crown I'm seeing kind of pilot. It's not it's not like an onion crown or anything, but it's definitely a sizable yes. crown on a forty one mil watch. Yes. I, I can see the kind of Calatrava yeah. type simplicity of the case and the dial and the finishing does look superb from the images I've seen. And I do like the logo. The logo is really nice and Thank simple. You. You're not going to go through 13 iterations of this in the next no, 10 I, years I eventually, to arrive, eventually to arrive at this, not thinking of any brands in particular <laughs> that may have had that particular challenge. Shout out to Mike France. <laughs> so you're producing initially 10 of these. First of all, how easy was it for a guy you're based in Bristol mm. to actually break into the glass hooter, you know, yeah. organization and say, right, I would like as a guy in Bristol for you to do 10 of these for me, please. So, so just, just to clarify, it wasn't uh, the brand uh, glass hooter original. It was, Yes, yes, it's just the the, the organization. Yeah, there's obviously nine or ten organizations yeah. in Glasshooter, so it's it's almost certainly one of them. I'm not sure which one, but they're you know Glasshooter, well known for it, all things watchmaking. Yes, yes. So yeah, I mean it's 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 not easy starting a watch brand. It, it's really really hard, uh, uh, which I'm sure will come as no surprise to people. But you know if you you know a lot a lot of a lot of the industry a lot of manufacturers they they have minimum order quantities on on movements and things like that so it, the barrier to entry is is pretty high 
you know, and um, as someone who's, you know, I've been pretty broke for the last few years and putting putting everything I can in, into uh, into this dream, really. You have to get creative. You have to think about it, not just from a design perspective, but you have to think about it from the business point of view. And how can I, you know, how can I form a relationship uh, with a manufacturer who will, who will give me an opportunity to to create something? Because it starting out, there's not a lot in it for them, you know. I'm not a, a big client that is offering, you know, millions of pounds in, in funding to develop new movements and everything. So you have to get creative and you have to, you know, I, I was very fortunate. I reached out to um, a manufacturer called DK Precision Mechanics. Uh, they're, the, they're the smallest independent uh, manufacturer in Glasuta, and they're very proud to be as well. And, you know, Don, who who who, who runs the, the business, was very, very kind. And, and I shared with him some of my designs for the for the movement side of things. Uh, because that's that's the tricky part is uh, is building the the movements the cases you can I mean it's all tricky you know you have to think about the quantities in manufacturing but but the movement was 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 definitely a key aspect in 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 that and um, yeah you know uh, I, I was very fortunate he he gave me the opportunity to build a prototype movement and I worked with another um, manufacturer called Hod Watch you might I mean you might you might know them you probably know them on Instagram. Uh, Vasily, you know, really great guy, really kind. Um, just, you know, th- again, th- this hasn't been a one-man show. This is a collaboration, and, and yeah, just very grateful to those people who who uh, gave me an opportunity to work with them. And, and yeah, I mean, I think people will be very surprised to know how much you know it costs to to actually develop this this brand. You know, on the budget that I had, you know, as I haven't built ten at once, that would be impossible for me. Um, so, so the watches are made to order. That's the way kind of you can kind of get around it. But then again, you have to have a higher price point to do that because again, you know, most manufacturers it's 500 pieces, 300 pieces, and you know, and development is extremely expensive. So yes, it's certainly a, a high bar to entry. But this does look like it will be quite a successful uh, first entry into into the market. How are things going as it stands? Yeah, you know, um, I think. Yeah. it's funny when you put when you put the the watch out there when you put yourself out there there's going to be there's going to be two sides there's always going to be some cr- criticism i do think that's largely unfounded i think that tends to to come t- from a place of you know not really understanding what the amount of work that's actually gone into the the movement for example the development and kind of not realizing the kind of business side of of developing a, a, a watch I mean, again, the, the the response so far has been, you know, absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm so grateful for for everyone who's been sharing it, you know, liking the post, reaching out um, with kind things to say. It's been, it's been fantastic. So yeah, hopefully, um, you know, we'll get some more orders. And either way, the the watches are going to be they're they're going through the development process now, and uh, there's going to be a few different refinements made for the production versions. Like on the movement, the the chamfers on the bridges are going to be slightly thicker. Uh, case is going to be just a little bit more refined in some areas and uh and the buckle as well is going to have a slight arc to it to account for the curve of the wrist so you know it, it's it's, an, it's always like an, an ongoing process and i'm always chasing i'm always chasing to try and you know get that perfection but it, it, it's you know it's unattainable it's impossible to to reach but uh, but i want to make it the, the best i can make it and i want to offer you know the best value i can to collectors and i hope that people uh that people can see that and 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 kind of understand a little bit about what I'm trying to do. 
Great. Well, thank you for joining us. You strike me as a man who's probably already on to the third, fourth, fifth watch of what's in <laughs> his right, mind. Yeah. So uh, what can we expect next? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th this series is just a, a limited edition of 10 pieces. I want to expand on this kind of artistic collection with with a series of, of of dolls that feature kind of artisanal crafts like guilloche enameling but then i also want to create a, a separate series to that which is more as you could say pragmatic that focuses on more practical use complications and maybe a little bit more uh, suited to, to to most people you know it's not to everyone's tastes you know the the kind of the shooting stars and and the artisanal style but yeah that and then maybe in the future some some sports watches we'll see i've got lots of ideas yeah lots of excellent well look forward to seeing them develop over the coming months and years oliver thank you very much for joining us very quickly give us the website address where people can find you thank you so much um it's olivergallagher.com with a u remember the u don't forget the u you are at the center of all <laughs> things oh gee there you go there's a title i'll give you that one for free thank you Oliver, for thank joining so us much. have a great rest thank of you day. so much rick I do hope you enjoyed our box of delights this week. If you would like to contribute anything to the Spending Time channel, if you think you've got an idea or you think you've got someone you would like to interview or you think we should be interviewing you, then get in touch. Podcast at ablogtowatch.com. Keep an eye out for all the audio-visual treats that a blog to watch have to offer from everything on the website at ablogtowatch.com to the various podcasts we have. We have the Superlative Podcast with Ariel that normally runs on a Monday. And on a Thursday, you have a blog to watch weekly with myself, David and Ariel. And keep an eye out on the Spending Time channel for anything that just happens to drop that might be of interest to you. Have a great rest of week. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.